Hello, horror fanatics. I'm Frank. And I'm Jen. And we welcome you to our weekly podcast of... The The Horror! Horror. Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe, or follow to add us to your regular rotation of podcasts. You can also submit any ideas, comments, and suggestions to our email address at oth at seriouslydecent.com. And you can check out our website at ohthehorrorpodcast.com. Can. Yes, you can. can. Do those things. We encourage it. Yeah. Just a quick call to action, everyone. If you get a chance, I know there's some new listeners and maybe some old listeners, old OG horror fanatics that haven't done this. Mm-hmm. If you could subscribe and rate and review our yep. podcast, as Jen clarified earlier, sometimes it just gets dragged into the minutia of the intro yes. and gets overlooked, but it really helps us out. You could do it right now while you're listening to us. Apple, you'll follow the podcast. Yep. And on a couple of the other, like um, Amazon Music, you will actually subscribe to follow. Correct. And if you rate and review, doesn't take very long. No. It takes a few seconds. And it helps and us out a great deal. We've read one review. We'll read more. We've read two reviews. Three we reviews, read, whatever we have. We read reviews. Yeah. We'll read more. The more that get uh, put down there, we'll read. But here we are, episode 77, season two. No way. Way. All right. Yeah. We're cl- making the climb to the three-digit Ville. I think we're doing it. Like, I think we're figuring it out. I think we have a podcast. Maybe. I think I think we have a podcast now. It might be a little too soon to say that. Yeah, yeah. Anything can happen. Nostradamus. Yeah. There's one thing I bet he didn't see coming. Us doing an episode about him on he all the horror podcast. Anything coming. But <laughs> I don't know, whatever. man. I don't know. I do. So what do you got for uh sources? Uh history.com and that's about it. Oh really? Yes. Okay. Uh history.com uh topics, paranormal, Nostradamus. The original article is from November 9th of 2009, but it was updated by the History.com editors on May 14th of 2020. And then I have the link with his actual um, text, texts, which yes. is sacred-texts.com. And you can read the English text and... French. French, yes, if you are so inclined. I know that because I have that as a source as well. Yeah. I I did a Wikipedia intro. I checked out history.com. I did science, uh, howstuffworks.com. They did a thing on Notre Dame. Or Nostradamus, not Notre Dame. Yeah, it is. Ew. Nostradamus. Sacredtext.com. And then... I checked out a couple of other things, which I'll clarify later. Okay. So, uh, dive in. You want to dive in or you want me to dive in? I'll dive in. How do you want to do this? I'll dive. As you can see, folks, we planned this out. Yeah, we we worked wicked hard on it. Yeah. Nostradamus was born Michel de Notre Dame on November 14th or 21st. Uh, Varies by source. 
1503 in the south of France in Saint-Rémy-de-Provence. He was one of nine children born to Rainier de Saint-Rémy and her husband, Hayome de Nostradam, a well-to-do grain dealer and part-time notary of Jewish descent. Nostradam's grandfather, Guy Gassonet, had converted to Catholicism a half a century earlier and changed the family name to Nostradam in part to avoid persecution during the Inquisition. Mm-hmm. Little is known of his childhood, but evidence indicates he was very intelligent as he quickly advanced through school. Early in his life, he was tutored by his maternal grandfather, Jean de Saint-Rémy, who saw great intellect and potential in his grandson. During this time, young Nostradam was taught the rudiments of Latin, Greek, Hebrew, and mathematics. It is believed that his grandfather also introduced him to the ancient rites of Jewish tradition and the celestial sciences of astrology, giving Nostradam his first exposure to the idea of the heavens and how they drive human destiny. Mm-hmm. At the age of 14, Nostradam entered the University of Avignon a, um, to study medicine. He was forced to leave after only one year, however, due to an outbreak of the bubonic plague. Side note, the bubonic plague features prominently in this dude's life. Yeah. According to his own account, he traveled throughout the countryside during this time, researching herbal remedies and working as an apothecary. In 1522, he entered the University of Montpelier to complete his doctorate in medicine. He sometimes expressed dissension with the teachings of the Catholic priests who dismissed his notions of astrology. There are some reports that university officials discovered his previous experience as an apothecary and found this reason to expel him from school. So there are some sources that state he has no medical degree. Evidently, the school took a dim view of anyone who was involved in what was considered a, quote-unquote, manual trade. However, side note again, the manual trade still frowned upon in today's society, (laughs) even though we cannot exist as a society without manual traits. End of side note. I think it was interesting in this regard, though, because they were calling his ability to study medicine and and people a manual trade. I think like, it was more the apothecary well, actually yeah. making herbal remedies with his little man hands. <laughs> that was his manual trade. Yeah, yeah. But whatever. However, most accounts state he was not expelled and received license to practice medicine in 1525. It was, however, 1525. I don't think we're ever going to know whether or not the dude actually had there's a, a lot medical of, degree. There's a lot of gray areas around pretty much everything. So with I mean, the best research we could do, this right. is the best we could come up with. I but, mean, it was the 1500s. Well, yeah, that's the tough part with some of this stuff. Even like popular... Yeah. People have these gray areas, but it was all gray, man. Yeah. But most gray. of it kind of gets shuffled into a, a popular opinion or a popular record. And a lot of that is just collaborating old sources and smushing them together. Right. Yeah. At this time, he Latinized his name, as was the custom of many um, medieval academics from Nostradam to no. And you have a legitimate. Over the next several years, Nostradamus traveled throughout France and Italy treating victims of the plague. 
There was no known remedy at the time. Most doctors relied on potions made of mercury, the practice of bloodletting, and dressing patients in garlic-soaked robes, which just sounds amazing. Could you imagine? Uh, I'd be puking. Uh, like you're you're sick? Yeah. Like just take COVID, for example, that was rolling through yeah. there, and you get tested positive for COVID. They're like, all right, you got to go into this room here. You got to get some of your blood out. Yeah. And it's not like fancy how it is now where they just put some stuff in. No, it's just like, you know, little slit. Throw it a throw it they in a pan. The, the little wood bear squeaky 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 because you know they didn't have WD forty and they would drill the hole <laughs> to let the ghosts out of your brain oh and then they God. would cut a hole in your uh, on your vein yeah. and your elbow and then they would if you were lucky maybe throw a leech or two on there hey, help you, you know, out if they're around. I wonder how many people. Went through the bubonic plague, loving garlic, and then after that, they were just like, "I I don't want to smell, taste, see garlic I ever again." I would be in my wearing life. the plague doctor mask because that was full of herbs mm-hmm. in the end of it. So mine would be stuffed full yeah. of mint and lavender, whatever was pungent. Something other than garlic, patchouli. Patchouli would have worked. Ugh. It's supposed to cover up the smell of the dead. It would have been ideal. It pretty much covers up the smell of everything. It's just unfortunate that it doesn't smell good in its own (laughs) But, you know, he was a big of a treadsetter here in all this. He he, developed very progressive methods He incorporated cleanliness, fresh air, and healthy foods to his treatments. Yep. He didn't bleed his patients. No. Uh, He also created a quote-unquote rose pill, which is an herbal lozenge made of rose hips, which are rich in vitamin C. And that actually provided some relief for the patients with milder cases Mm -hmm. of the plague. And he also, shocker, was like, hey, why don't we take the dead bodies out of the city streets? And, you know, let's let's get some fresh air in here. (laughs) And he, he did well. Yeah. Low-fat diets. Yeah. Good for you. Fresh air and cleanliness. Like, that was... Oh, uh, no. And this was way before they had gotten into germ theory and they realized yeah. that yeah. cleaning actually takes care of a lot of well, the germs. Yeah, but the hard thing back then that I think people really are so disconnected with is everything was dirty. Everything. Yeah. Like, there just wasn't such... There wasn't a, a thing of being clean unless you were loaded and had staff True. True. to clean around and make things clean. Right. You know, yes. But on the regular, the daily, the yeah, common no. person. They had bedpans under their beds. Bed. They would take a leak and then, you know. Or shit and, off, and yeah, leave it. And then throw it out the window. Yeah. Which I, I just uh, can't wrap my head around that being just acceptable. Yeah. You know. And, uh. <laughs> Just so we're clear, doctors didn't, like, scrub up for surgery. Mm -mm. Like, they would go from an amputation to, you know, uh, birth, and then they would go to... Like a knife wound. Yeah, and then they would go to someone who had some weird, like, extremely viral condition. pussy face and sores. Yeah, never wash their hands in between. And then they're like, geez, why are all these people dying? 
I don't get it. This guy's got the pus thing too. Yeah, this pus thing is it's, spreading, it's spreading like, like you fucking believe. crazy. What the hell, man? <laughs> so, it's different as, time, man. As a result of this, Nostradamus found himself somewhat of a local celebrity for his treatments, and he received financial support from many of the citizens of Provence. Mm -hmm. In 1531, he was invited to work with a leading scholar of the time, Jules Cesar Scaliger, an Asian in southwestern France. I'm sure I said all of that wrong. That's fine. Uh, There he married and in the next few years had two children. In 1534, his wife and children died, presumably of the plague, while he was traveling on a medical mission to Italy not being able to save his wife and children caused him to fall out of favor in the community and with his patron, Scaliger. Dude wasn't even there. He was in Italy. How is he supposed to? And here's the thing, man. Even if he had traveled back from Italy to France or he astrally projected himself, yeah. he would have been killed as a witch. So he was damned if he didn't, damned if he didn't. He's just trying to make a, make a living, man. He's doing the grind. Is that, yeah? Yeah. And then <laughs> like, your wife and your child, they died. Bye. Yeah, I think, though, that'd be a tough sale to do if you had somebody with the plague and this guy comes to help you and his whole family died of it. But he wasn't there to do anything yeah, but about it. You also got to put into perspective of how people act. Like, if they don't know something right then and there and they make up their mind, their mind's made up. Mm-hmm. So you could be like, oh, he wasn't there. Yeah, I don't know. That's not how I heard it. You know, like, you know, that's that happens now with like video footage of things and pictures of people and like date stamps. Yeah, and they're just, the well, that's not how I heard it. No, I'm not even saying deep fakes. I'm just saying yeah. like a true legitimate thing. And you got people that just like once they make up their mind, that's it. Yeah. doesn't matter how much proof you have. Yeah, it doesn't matter how much like physical evidence or or corroborative evidence you have. You know, people right. are just, well, it's not the way I heard it. <laughs> it's not my truth. Yeah. It's been the same thing forever. I mean, I guess the more things change, the more they stay the they same. They don't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing from yeah. biblical times and to current to current. It's yeah. the same thing. I, people just do the same stupid shit over, <laughs> over and, and over, over and over again, which side note kind of gets me to his prophecies. We just keep repeating the same shit over and over yeah. and over again. So I don't think Copernicus broke any new ground here. I think he just rehashed a bunch of shit. Well. If he even did that. So is this so, where we're getting no, into his writings? No, we're getting. You he, got more? We still got stuff. Let me know when you get there. In 1538, <laughs> an offhanded remark about a religious statue resulted in charges of heresy against Nostradamus. Mm-hmm. When ordered to appear before the church inquisition, He wisely chose to leave Provence to travel for several years through Italy, Greece, and Turkey. And during his travels to the ancient mystery schools, it is believed that Nostradamus experienced a psychic awakening. One of the legends of Nostradamus says that during his travels in Italy, he came upon a group of Franciscan monks identifying one as the future pope. 
the monk called Felice Peretti was ordained Pope Sixtus V in 1585, fulfilling the prediction of Nostradamus. Mm -hmm. But we'll see. Feeling he'd stayed away long enough to be safe from the Inquisition, Nostradamus returned to France to resume his practice of treating plague victims. In 1547, he settled in his hometown of Salon de Provence and married a rich widow named Anne Ponsard. And I mean, if you're going to marry a widow, a rich one is probably ideal. I think, really, you're doing it wrong. If you don't. If you don't. Yeah. I think, you know, You're doing it more difficult than need be. Well, I look at it as this. Let's say true love exists. You mean true No, that's to Blave. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> but let's say true love exists. Okay. And you find your partner, so okay. to speak, your mm-hmm. your other half. Your person. Your person. Mm-hmm. You go through life. You go through these series of events. Events and joys mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that type of partnership Trials brings to tribulations. you. Tribulations. Yeah. Kids. Or just travel or just a good relationship, mm-hmm. just bonding through right. life, going through the growth of life right. with this just awesome partner in your life. Right. Then that person goes away. Okay, bye. Yeah, like passes yeah. away in this case, which I would see, you know, as a, say, a widower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's hard to go through life and say, I'm not, I'm going to be able to get that again. Yeah. Like, that's a hard stance to take. Yeah. And that's where I laugh when people are like, oh, you know, they got it in for the money and all that. Like, young and all that, like the sugar daddies, the sugar mamas and stuff like that. Yeah. That I look as cheap. Yes. I really do. Yeah. Uh, Because there's two different needs being fed there. Mm -hmm. The young person's getting the money. Mm -hmm. And they got to work for it in these other means. And the older person has the arm And the other person Mm -hmm. has the... The legacy of life behind them, mm-hmm. they've got uh, everything around them, their accomplishments, mm-hmm. and they just are lonely. And it's just this fulfillment of not yeah. being lonely. And yeah. it could be arm candy or it even could be intellectual. Mm-hmm. I'll go that far. But at the end of You're the day. so giving. <laughs> yeah. But the whole like true love partnership of right. it, it doesn't really scan for most. Because when you're older, you're just like, meh, you know, I already had this experience. I already had this thing, but I don't want to be alone. Yeah. I want to share. You'll do. So, yeah, you'll do if you got the money. Well, and also during this And if time, you've already had it where you're uh, a widow yourself and there's like both. Yeah. Go up in the money. I, I get it. I mean, all <laughs> things considered, uh, a woman on her own, regardless of whether she was married or not, like that mm-hmm. was not ideal. Like the whole point was to be married, to have this, that new family, that support system. Without it, you were an old maid. You were, you know, a burden on your family. Well, and here's the thing. And I, you I were a disappointment. And I don't want to light appointment room. Yeah. And I don't want to light up a grass fire with it. But again, that's not where. Things haven't really changed in that regard. No. And I can speak that from living the single life for a long time. Mm-hmm. Everybody just, when are you going to find someone? When are you going to be? When are you going to have know, a real when relationship? When are you going to have a real relationship with someone? 
you know, mm-hmm. it's like, uh, when are you, when are you going to have, uh, you know, when are you going to have your life complete? That's the best thing to hear yeah. when you're single is that your life's not complete. Not complete. Yeah. When you, you know. are living your best life. Yeah. yeah you you're don't just have crushing to worry it. about shit. You got you no are, responsibilities. You aren't accountable to anybody <laughs> but yourself. And you got a bunch of miserable people, by the way, because yeah. they're all married and they did all the right things and all the things they were supposed to do. Yeah. And, you know. You're just going to have to settle like everyone else. (laughs) Bull fucking shit. Well, no, and I think that's a big part of the circle you travel in. Because if you have a bunch of people that settled, Mm -hmm. especially if you're single, Mm -hmm. you can't be near those people. They're cancer. Yeah. They're really cancer. They're they're terrible. you have to be super strong and see it for what it is and use that as a motivation. No, and take the hits. Yeah. Because you're going to get a ton of hits. Oh, yeah. So many hits. And then you're going to get the whisper on the side. Stay, stay single, stay single. It's good. It's good. But then when they're all together, it's when are you going to get find somebody, you know, when are you going to get married? Yeah. yeah. And, and that's a, that's a, a, that's a weird part of it. But like I said, who you surround yourself around mm-hmm. is everything. Yeah. Cause like I was fortunate when I was single, the friends that I had, they were in nice, strong, healthy, like relationships mutual, and they just wanted the same for you. Mutual pu- yeah. uh, appreciative relationships, you know. So they would say it offhand, like, when are you going to find somebody? But they knew that, like, you know, I would pull some people in that I'm just fooling around with, air quotes, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah. they'd just be like, you know, is this the one? I'm like, no. And they're like, oh, good, thanks. You know, and it's, <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, no, I'm going to take this for a spin around the lot. Yeah. And then I'm going to tell the dealer I don't want it. This is Miss Right Now. This isn't Miss Forever. This is Miss Right Now. (laughs) So Nostradamus settled down with some money. Yeah, and together they had six kids. Three boys, three girls. Like like just Pez. With no names. Nostradamus also published two books on medical science by this time. One was a translation of Galen, the Roman physician, and the second book, the Traité des Faramens, mm-hmm. was a medical cookbook for treating the plague and the preparation of, wait for it, cosmetics. Yes. <laughs> How about that? I mean, you really look at Nostradamus. He's a guy that had his hand... In, in everything. Anything and everything. I mean, talk about a jack of all trades. He was like, I do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and a little bit more of this. Have you seen pictures of him, though? He doesn't scream cosmetics, you know. <laughs> he doesn't. He, he doesn't look like he the person you would go. He doesn't scream anything. He screams like average dude. Yeah. Like they all looked like him. Yeah, to to a certain degree. Yeah, you think yeah. about it. That was the average. Yeah. Which I mean, so I he think could if, have gotten away with so much murder because he nobody would have been able to identify him. Like they would have been like, yeah, no, he just he just looked like an average guy. <laughs> well, you think about it. If guys grow their beards just a tad longer, they'll all look like him as well. I mean, they're not far off. No, now, they're not far. Which. I'm wondering how long the beard threshold's going to go. I think they're all trying to do ZZ Top without actually admitting that that's what they're trying to do. I don't know. I know it can't last forever. 
I can't believe ladies are like, oh my God, that's so sexy. Really? You know what the funny part really? is, though? Is you hear from a lot of ladies, they're like, I didn't like it at first, but then I got used to it, and now I like it. No, what it is, is That's what you got used to it, and you're just like, well, no, this, say, I guess now this I is like how it. it is now. It's <clears throat> how? It's like, it's like kissing a wire brush. I don't know. Uh, I've never kissed someone with a beard, for starters. Well, kiss an iron brush, yeah. you know, like with the. But isn't it true? Like I, I had a beard at one point and that was just like a pure act of rebellion. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because that was the one year I wasn't getting any play at all from the ladies. Weird. Weird. I mean. Shocking. So you <clears throat> looked like the Unabomber. <clears throat> well, I, I hold that against I you. I kind of did. And they were making that joke because that was the <laughs> Unabomber. Event. I know. And I was like, I look, know. don't make that joke. <laughs> it's not fucking cool, man. Not funny, man. That no, it's the not. Cord. It's not. I, I don't need that kind of press. I got enough. But I know after a while it got like softer and smoother. Like there's that that phase. Like even when guys are growing, like where they go from shadow to kind of like a beard. It's it is. It's prickly. It's rough. It's irritant and it itches and and, and then it's there's gross. A, and then there's a point after that where it gets softer. Like it feels softer. But I don't know if you're kissing somebody, you know, or... I'm sure it feels softer to the wearer. Yeah. But as the outside person and I know they got product, in, product for it now, which... You'd have to you put know. so much product on it. And even yeah. then I'd be like, you know what would be wicked easier? Just shave that shit off. I think we should create a... Um... Want to look 10 years younger instantly? Shave that shit. You want your girl to just pour her clothes off? Yeah. <laughs> Come in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was like those shows they used to do in the talk shows. You want to see things get all they, excited in the bedroom? Where they clean the they clean the guys up on oh, the yeah. talk shows. And, and they, take they had the guys with a beard and, and they take the beard off? and mustache those off. Those ladies were oh, yeah. drenched. <laughs> drenched the first time they yeah. saw their man. And they were saying it right on camera. They were like, I've never oh, seen oh, him without plans. his facial hair. <laughs> Look at how handsome you are. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because when that shit's all covered up, you could look like anything under there. I remember I was hanging out with this dude one night, and he had a beard, and he was complaining about this chick that walked by with too much makeup on. I was like, are you serious? You know, because at first I thought he was just, like, kind of yeah, joking around, yeah. like, you know. Oh, no, he was dead and serious. And he was like, no, it's serious. You don't even know what's under there. I was like, dude, look in the fucking mirror. Yeah. <laughs> you could be burned by acid from the under your nose down. It's you like, don't know what you're getting. You are hiding yourself way more than she is. Way worse, sir. Hers at least washes off. <laughs> you can wake up the next day and, and see the be, real. You can see the real thing. The real yeah, her. No, yeah. You're still going to look like a lumberjack. Yeah. Which is fine if you're a lumberjack. <laughs> if you're not a lumberjack, what the fuck, man? Sorry. <laughs> this whole beard thing has been brewing for a while, and I just finally had an outlet. <laughs> Define a while. Years? A solid 10. A decade? A solid 10 years. A decade? Yeah. 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 No, I mean, yeah. you know, people can do what they want, obviously. I mean, they who do. the hell am I to they judge? They will. 
Yeah. But it was just one of those things that I remember, you know, you and I were together then when that started becoming a thing. Yeah. And I remember you and I were looking and we were like, and we'll see how long this goes, but I just don't know if it could go too long. Oh, here, yeah. we, here we are. They were calling them lumber sexuals. And here's the thing. Lumbers. I remember that now. Yeah. Because they were all wearing the flannel and they were yeah. all wearing like the I suspenders. And it's like, who the fuck are you fooling? <laughs> there is no way that Ted yeah. at the behind the bar who's doling out drinks yeah. has ever even looked at a chainsaw, let alone picked one up. And now talk about yeah, claiming a, uh, a group of people as your own, like appropriating. Mm -hmm. If I were a lumberjack or just like a regular yeah. run of the mill working man yeah. who is probably too fucking tired to shave, <laughs> I would be pissed. And all these skinny yeah. little nobodies. Well, I think this is what happened, too, is the perfect storm. Okay. You had the, the beard face growing through, mm -hmm. and everybody started wearing the flannels and, yeah. you know, all that stuff. But then something else happened that no one saw coming. The craft beer phase. Yeah. The craft beer ignited. Because I know when I think and, craft beer, I think of a lumberjack holding yeah. a well-crafted India pale ale. Have you tried our IPA? It's very eight, hoppy. That's $8 a can. Yeah. Yeah, no. They're <laughs> drinking Rainier PBR. <laughs> Budweiser. They're like, the fuck is this it, shit? And that's the good stuff, you know? Yeah. 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 That's when you're. I know. You know, you work hard, you deserve to have the yeah. best. I know. Have a nice I know beer. every beard wearer now is like, can we get back to fucking Nostradamus, please? <laughs> Enough just with think the... and check yourself is all, all I'm right. saying. First thing I want to say before we move on, though, yes. I just thought of this. Yes. I think we should come up with beard product because, honestly, I think if we come up with a beard product, it'll end. That's how it works. Nair. We won't make money. No beard poo. <laughs> Put it on instead of shampoo, and it just dissolves the hair off. Oh face. my god! And, the next thing you and everybody know. be like, "I lost my beard. I want my money back." And I, we'd have fine print on the bottom that said, "May remove no, your beard." Will remove yeah, your beard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of genius. I'm not averse to it. This is the sadistic party that I love. I really do. Because I just came out with, like, innocent beard poo. Not me, man. And you're like, yeah, you know no. what we could do? Throw I, some nair I in there. I got an idea. Yeah. It's got some strength behind it. It's got some oomph. Maybe <laughs> massaging in there would be like, oh, I can feel it working. Yes. Yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> the best is we should make them sign a disclaimer. You know, like, when you get the ultra hot hot sauce? Hot sauce, yeah. 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 Says you bought this. This is on you. Okay. <laughs> Man, this stuff's so good. I had to sign a form for it. Have you tried this, <laughs> dude? I heard it. I hear it takes your beard away. Uh, that's what I heard. Oh, that's just a rumor. Yeah, you heard it from somebody. <laughs> All right. Okay. Within a few years of his settling into Salon, Nostradamus began moving away from medicine mm -hmm. and more toward the occult. Huh. 
Yeah. It is said that he would spend hours in his study at night meditating in front of a bowl filled with water and herbs. The meditation would bring on a trance and visions. Hard stop for a second. Yeah. When you have herbs, and this mm-hmm. guy was an apothecary, and yeah. there are certain herbs that are supposed to be hallucinogenic, if you will. Yeah. And you're sitting there staring at a bowl with hallucinogenic herbs in it. And guess what? You're going to see shit. But also, guess what? It's not real. See, that's the thing when you're hallucinating, though. There's that connection where it feels as real as it gets. Like, you feel like it's more real than... Than real? Yeah, than, the, you know, it's a deeper connection. Mm-hmm. Now, did you hear what made him hallucinate? No. Oh. So, you know what he was a big user of? Uh, hold on. Absinthe. Nutmeg. Because <laughs> apparently, I didn't know this. What is the what is the threshold for nutmeg causing hallucinations? Because we got some nuggets. Yeah. What I... Uh, I didn't know about this. And then, okay. so I, this is where I said I had two sources that are going to mm-hmm. take a turn. So mm-hmm. we were on Nostradamus for a good five seconds. Yeah. We went beard, Nostradamus. Yep. Yeah. Now we're going to leave that for a second. Okay. And, and deal I'm, with, I'm good with it. Deal with nutmeg for a, a bit. It's my favorite of the spices. Yeah. So apparently mm-hmm. you can get high on nutmeg. It would probably take so much nutmeg. Well, and that's where it gets kind of weird. So the first claims of nutmeg intoxication, because like once I saw this, me, Mr. Reader, research, I need to know about this. Is this a thing? So it dates back to the 1500s. Well, this is key 1500s. So a, uh, a pregnant woman, get ready for this. Okay. She ate more than 10 nutmeg nuts. Okay. And it wasn't until 19th century that research began, uh, began to investigate the effects of what's called uh, myriceticin or myristicin. I think it's myristicin. And that's, uh, a, um, it's from the nutmeg that makes people hallucinate. Right. And uh, there's these scattered reports. And there was like an 18-year-old female that complained of nausea, dizziness, heart palpitations, dry mouth among other symptoms, although she didn't report any hallucinations. Hallucinations, okay. Uh, She did mention, though, that she felt like she was in a trance-like state. Okay. That's pretty common. Uh, It was later revealed that she consumed almost 50 grams of nutmeg in the form of a milkshake roughly 30 minutes before her symptoms began. So it makes sense because, like, if you take mushrooms or LSD or something like that, it takes about... Like 40 minutes. It can take like 20, 30 minutes if you do like a weed, you know, just like crank a bong up or something like that. So I'm told. My uh, nutmeg brings all the points to the <laughs> So <laughs> in a much more recent case study, a 37-year-old female found herself experiencing the symptoms of this intoxication after consuming only two teaspoons that's about 10 grams. Yeah, that's not that much. That's her, about what I put in a recipe. Her symptoms also included dizziness, confusion, grogginess, and uh, dry mouth. Uh, and 
In both case studies, the symptoms occurred within hours and lingered for roughly 10 hours. <laughs> both individuals were released after observation and made a full recovery. It was two people. Yeah. So this sounds like something that was done at somebody's house. You know, I, I don't. You know, we should do something like daring. <laughs> um, do you have like mushrooms? I mean, I've got portobellos, you but they don't, they don't cause anything. Yeah. I hear if you have nutmeg. Well, I have that. Let's so, give it a whirl. So there was a, a, a review uh, from the Illinois Poison Center. It was a 10-year period revealed over 30 documented cases of nutmeg poisoning. An analysis of the data investigated both intentional and unintentional exposures. So mm-hmm. accident and mm-hmm. just people like, I'm going to get fucked up on nutmeg. As well as drug interactions leading to toxic- toxicity. Okay. The investigation revealed that almost 50% of the cases were intentional. Okay. With only 17 being unintentional exposures. Okay. The largest group of people who were unintentionally exposed to nutmeg intoxication were minors under the age of 13. Instead, I get. It was laying around and kids just yeah. like eat something or yep. wonder what happens here. Mm-hmm. Or they heard about it on the internet. <laughs> so I'm going to get to that later. Okay. So the most common symptoms in the 10 year review included hallucina- uh, hallucinations, having a problem today, drowsiness, dizziness, dry mouth, confusion, and seizure in two cases. Okay. Some of the other notable side effects were respiratory, cardiovascular, and gastric distress. I always love hearing that term because it just sounds explosive diarrhea. Sounds terrible. So a lot of it was, you know, you had to do a a ton of it. So 2020 during the whole lockdown. 2020. Yeah. People getting high on nutmeg. Remember when they did the cinnamon challenge on TikTok? Yeah. Where they were. Yeah. So was there a nutmeg one? There was a nutmeg one. All right. And uh, they basically, um, in like January of 2020, uh, there was uh, people getting into these just crazy mm-hmm. challenges because mm-hmm. they were fucking bored. 2012 was the cinnamon challenge where right, yep. you eat a spoonful of cinnamon yep. in under 60 seconds. And, and that was funny. Uh, however, the nutmeg challenge uh, started and people were talking about... Um, these reactions and basically uh, they just felt a bit lightheaded was the, mm-hmm. the popular thing. Uh, but they weren't seeing like seeing things and, and stuff like that. They weren't seeing the future. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? No. Weird. At least no one claimed claimed about it. But uh, nutmeg is even be uh, to be said uh, to be used for medicinal purposes in India, China and the Middle East in 700 BC. Okay. It's an old deal. Uh, utilized for, uh, it was basically a, a sedative mm-hmm. and like a uh, a mood elevator. And um, nutmeg was used just much more than a spice in that regard. Well, Even, I will say nutmeg in a recipe sure does make me have nice warm feelings. Does it? Yeah. Yeah. Makes maybe, me happy. Maybe you're on a little something. Maybe. So even Malcolm X spoke about nutmeg highs in his 1965 autobiography, the autobiography of Malcolm X, catchy title. Recounting his time in prison, Malcolm X explained that nutmeg men, that's in quotes, would often exchange money or cigarettes for penny matchboxes full of stolen nutmeg. 
from kitchen worker inmates. He says, uh, quote, I grabbed the box as though it were a pound of heavy drugs, he wrote. Stirred into a glass of cold water, a penny matchbox full of nutmeg had the kick of three or four reefers. Hmm. So, basically... uh, So, all you people wasting your money on weed and, like, edibles, you could just be having a nutmeg shake before bed and, you know... Yeah. Bob's your uncle. So, doctors today, they say nutmeg might... You know, I'm not going to promote nutmeg here. Okay. Because nutmeg might be able to get you high. You said They say it's not a nice high. Rather than report a state of euphoria, most of the people are actually saying there's a heightened state of anxiety, mm-hmm. agitation, or a sensation of impending doom. That was the overall mm-hmm. thing that most people were talking about. And as with most things, small doses is good for your cooking and all that. Uh, but with people doing um, these larger... Doses. doses of things. Mm-hmm. This is with anything. It affects the toxicity levels of your body. Anytime you supersize anything, folks. Yeah. No, this is where, yeah. you know, you're you're beating up your kidneys and, and mm-hmm. things like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you've been forewarned. But what he would do is this nutmeg here and whatever else he's doing. Because yeah. they don't really talk about what yeah. else he's concocting. No. And so this is when he starts making the turn. And it is believed that his visions that were induced by these trances were the basis of his predictions for the, and I'm, they say future, I'm going to say quote unquote future. In 1550, Nostradamus wrote his first almanac of astrological information and predictions of the coming year. Almanacs were very popular at the time as they provided useful information for farmers and merchants and contained entertaining bits of local folklore and predictions of the coming year. Nostradamus began writing about his visions and incorporating them into his first almanac. The publication received a great response and served to spread his name all across France, which encouraged Nostradamus to write more. Yeah. In 1554, Nostradamus's visions had become an integral part of his works in the almanacs, and he decided to channel all of his energies into a massive opus he entitled Centuries. He planned to write 10 volumes, which would contain 100 predictions forecasting the next 2,000 years. This is 1554, folks. His predictions were to forecast the next 2,000 years which would have topped out at 1754. So, to say Nostradamus has predicted something for even 2,000. You said 2,000 years. It is 2,000 years. Yeah. In 1555, he he published Les Prophecies, a collection of his major long-term predictions, possibly feeling vulnerable to religious persecution. He devised a method of obscuring the prophecies' meanings by using quatrains, rhymed four-line verses, and a mixture of other languages such as Greek, Italian, Latin, and Provençal, a dialect of southern France. Oddly enough, Nostradamus enjoyed a good relationship with the Roman Catholic Church. It's believed he never faced prosecution for heresy by the Inquisition because he didn't extend his writings to the practice of magic. His popularity grew, and he became one of the most famous figures during the Renaissance. Yeah, and a lot of this was like post his existence. They started kind of yeah, saying out this is what he 
said there's what's going to happen. This there's year. a preface to the uh, the centuries, and it's uh, Nostradamus explaining to his son uh, Caesar, a child from his second marriage, mm-hmm. that the verses were intended to be mystifying. Yes, and that he said he was afraid he would be persecuted and his work would be destroyed. Correct. If authorities in his time fully understood his predictions. Correct. And according to him, his cryptic prophecies would be better understood by enlightened people in the future. That just has the recipe of. Yeah. Because can I, I mean, tell you. It just you, says it all. Uh, and many people today believe they possess this enlightenment. Oh, yes. They yes. say that if one interprets the quatrains correctly, it is clear that a number of his predictions have already come true. Notre Dame and his predictions have been so consistently popular over the centuries that his book has rarely been, this is a crazy stat, mm-hmm. his book has rarely been out of publication since his death. Correct. That's a long freaking time that a book has stayed around. Yeah. And, and we're and talking. And now it's available online. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of people that may or may not know who he is. Mm-hmm. And basically, um, He's been credited with prophesizing dozens of pivotal episodes in recent history. Correct. Including the rise of Adolf Hitler. Yep. The assassination of John F. Kennedy. Yep. And more recently, the destruction of the World Trade Center towers. Yeah, they're um, also saying... They're also saying he predicted COVID-19 uh, yep. pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, his writings, as you were saying, they, they're these quatrains. They're four-letter. If if you want to read them, sacred dash text.com yes uh is where you can find them uh to be exact it's uh sacred dash text.com forward slash nos and uh they have the english text and they have the english and french uh text yep and honestly they're they're just here's an example before we start bringing up the examples yes i just picked a random one okay that of the remainder of blood unshed Venice demands that relief be given after having waited a very long time city delivered up at the first sound of the horn. That's one. Yeah. So, um, I actually have one. It's a quatrain 17 mm-hmm. and it says for 40 years, the rainbow will not be seen for 40 years. It will be seen every day. The dry earth will grow more parched and there will be great floods when it is seen. And that's that, that Quatrain was actually quoted as being a prophecy for 2022. Yeah. And and what's interesting, so now we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of them. Yeah. The prediction of Adolf Hitler's Nazi regime. Uh, regime mm-hmm. That's uh, Century 2, Quatrain 24. And it reads, uh, hold on, got a formatting thing here. Beasts ferocious from hunger will swim across rivers. The greater part of the region will be against the hister. The great one will cause it to be dragged in an iron cage when the German child will observe nothing. So the followers claim that the name hister is a direct reference Reference to to Hitler. Hitler. Yes. Another quatrain refers to a ruthless leader born in Western Europe to poor parents. And yet another one refers to Hister's conflicts with Asia and Africa. Three more instances where Nostradamus supposedly predicted future events from the 1789 French Revolution, the rise of Napoleon, and the creation of the atom bomb. Yes. The French Revolution prediction is based on uh, Century 1, Quatrain 14. 
And again, formatting thing. From the enslaved populace, songs, chants, and demands, while princes and lords are held captive in prisons, these will, in the future, by headless idiots, be received as divine prayers. Napoleon is thought to have been referred to in Century 8 Quatrain 1 because you can rearrange the names of the towns in the first line to get Napoleon Roy close to King Napoleon. So they got Pau Ne Lerone. That's where they're trying to fudge his name together. Right. More fire than blood. Swimming in paradise. The great man hurries to the confluence. He will refuse entry to the magpies. Pampon endurance will confine them. Uh, the atom bomb, and I'm, I'm going through these because yes. as you're hearing them, they don't sound like anything. But maybe we're not enlightened enough. I'm sorry. I don't think we are but enlightened. The atom bomb's creation and detonation come from this uh, quatrain. It's uh, Century 2, Quatrain 6. Near the gates and within two cities, there will be two scourges, the like of which has never been seen. Yes. Famine within plague. People put out by steel, crying to the great immortal God for relief. And now, uh, my source says that was the prediction for the rise of COVID nineteen. No, and that's the that's why I saved that one for the end here because yeah. it exactly, and this is what you're dealing with. Yeah. with Nostradamus, it's and these are just a handful of the hundreds that he's written that don't mean anything. Correct. There's nothing to it. Yeah. It means whatever you want it to be. So the, the skeptical interpretation, basically, of you know many of his prophecies includes 16th century French terms that aren't clear to most modern interpreters. Particular words could be interpreted in any number of ways. Right. And they could be twisted easily to fit an actual event. And honestly, that's what they're doing. Yeah. They're just taking a quatrain, like... I don't understand how you would even get COVID-19 out of near the gates and within two cities. There will be two scourges, the like of which was never seen. Famine within plague. So because it says plague. Because once you make up your mind, you're convinced. And, and that's what it. does people put out by steel crying to the great immortal God for relief? I would believe this more for the... Invasion of the Ukraine, then. <laughs> well, you just the started. Rise of COVID you just started. He, he saw that coming. And that's I don't understand yeah. how. That's why I, I, I took the 2000 and shrunk it down to 200 because I don't think in 1554 he could have. He could have. What is the word? I don't think he could have handled seeing the shit. That we would do. Like, I don't think he could have handled seeing an atomic bomb and what it does. I don't think he could have seen or understood or even fathomed, like... It's hard to a, tell. Like a tank. Yeah. And and just, like, the rise of and I'm gonna, cars. And, and I'm going to explain it in four convoluted sentences. Yeah. Versus, I, yeah. I yeah. don't see how there's... No. There's a way that he could have, well, I have understood a, the scope of it. I have a bit for all this. Um but to stay, I guess if you have enough nutmeg, anything makes sense. <laughs> to stay on track with the uh, the 16th century French terms, in uh, Nostradamus's time, for example, Hister, the one mm -hmm. that they talk about Hitler, yeah, refers to actually a geographical region near the Danube River, and most likely skeptics argue 
Nostradamus was referring to this area and not to a person. Yeah. Hitler was, in fact, born near the Danube River, so many believers actually embrace this interpretation. So this is where it's cognitive dissonance at its oh, best. Oh, yeah. You move the goalposts. Yeah. And you say... Still fits, man. No, it still fits, man. Still fits. Goal! <laughs> That's how I heard it. You know. <laughs> so the most compelling argument against Nostradamus' powers is that his apparent hits are the result of random chance and creative interpretation. There are nearly 1,000 quatrains, most containing more than one prediction, and all but a few are uh, described in vague, obscure terms. Over the course of 100 years, it's certainly possible that some events would line up with some predictions simply due to coincidence. Well, I came across a source that said he spent a lot of time, like, dissecting the Bible, and Mm -hmm. he was... Uh, applying numerology from the Kabbalah, which is a Jewish mysticism, if you will, where, you know, certain letters or mm-hmm. add up to a certain number, and then that number means this thing, yeah. and that he was going through the Bible stories and essentially just rehashing stories from the Bible over and over again. Yeah. And just applying them as future predictions. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't actually have trances. Yeah. He and went visions. to the he went to the wheel store and stole yeah. a wheel. Yeah, yeah. I, and then he was like, "See my wheel?" No, I personally, I think he he believed what he was doing. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think he believed what he was doing. But his his style also increases the chance of perceived hit. His metaphorical writing highlights general relationships and conflicts, not specific details. Right. It's a big thing to circle yes. the wagons around here. So people or possibly nations are described as animals. Mm -hmm. Major figures are referred to by their attributes. Mm -hmm. The Hitler quatrain, for example, refers to, quote, beasts ferocious from hunger, unquote. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another quote, the great one, and also an iron cage. All general terms with metaphorical elements. Yes. This imprecise language does lend itself well to subjective interpretation. Mm -hmm. When the exact meaning is unclear, it's easy to plug in one's own experiences to reach some sort of understanding. This is a lot like modern horoscopes. Yes. Horoscopes typically deal with things a wide range of people experience regularly, such as conflicts at work, happiness in relationships, Mm -hmm. and exciting new changes. Chances are these predictions are going to line up with your life at least some of the time. Right, yeah. That's where I always love, I used to do this uh, a long time back, but I would take all of the headings of the the horoscopes off. Or if like I was reading, uh, like they'd have the newspaper in like study halls. Yeah. People would be like, oh, read my horoscope. And I used to on purpose read the wrong ones. Right, yeah. And they'd be like, oh my God, it's so on. It's so true. And it's like, well, that's, you know, yeah, that's a that Libra. Was, that was for cancer. <laughs> You're a Taurus. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's vague, you know? Yeah. So now the whole 9-11 stuff, uh, following that terrorist attack on the U.S. at September 11th, uh, 2001, uh, it's these events that just, like, renew interest in Nostradamus. And mm-hmm. this is where I could totally get why his publications rarely go unpublished because yeah. it just fuels up, fuels mm-hmm. up. And so they had... Uh, an anonymous message widely circulated on uh, the states claiming that Nostradamus uh, 
foretold the destruction in some detail. The message included this quatrain. In the city of God, there will be a great thunder. Two brothers torn apart by chaos while the fortress endures. The great leader will succumb. The third big war will begin when the big city is burning. So they were saying that the two brothers is the towers. The fortress is the Pentagon. The great leader refers to, at the time, President Bush. And the big city refers to New York. And, you know, it's it's close to nailed if you want to connect those horoscope dots. But the funny part is, is that's not his quatrain. It was a fabrication and it spread all over the place. Right, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it's uh, they, they ripped it off from one that says, in the year of the new century in nine months, from the sky will come a great king of terror. The sky will burn at 45 degrees. Fire approaches the great new city. And then, of course, everybody looks at that and they go, well, yeah, that's got to be it. That was fake, too. And yeah. I'm not even going to read the two ones that are from it because it's just yeah. it's just more of the same shit. You know? <laughs> he did actually uh, predict one thing correctly. It wasn't. So let's get to it. wasn't his death. Yes, it was. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Nostradamus suffered from gout and arthritis, dude, I feel you, for most of his adulthood. In the last years of his life, the condition turned into edema or dropsy, where abnormal amounts of fluid accumulate beneath the skin or within the cavities of the body. Without treatment, the condition resulted in congestive heart failure. In late June of 1566, Nostradamus asked to see his lawyer to draw up an extensive will, leaving much of his estate to his wife and children. On the evening of July 1st, he is alleged to have told his secretary, Jean de Chavigny, you will not find me alive at sunrise. The next morning, he was reportedly found dead lying on the floor next to his bed. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. I don't look at that as much of a prediction in the truest sense. Well, I, I think it's interesting because, like, I, I read somewhere where somebody was talking about there's a lot. I don't want to say the majority of people because it's a blanket statement that I can't back up. But I remember reading it, reading somewhere where they were claiming that a lot of people, when their time comes, they know they eerily know. Yeah, that's why I believe that. He did know. Yeah. I, I do firmly believe that that is the one thing that he actually knew. Yeah. And could say with certainty, you're not going to find me alive at sunrise. So. So so for me, I think, I think he was the grifter that believed his grift. Okay. That's how I look at him. Well, a. And a he had good some grifter has to believe in their. No, in their I mean, but there's other ones that know they're grifting. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the con mm-hmm. grifting, they know it's a con. They know it's a grift. They just sell it to you that it's believable. Right. But there's also this other subset of grifters and con people that l- literally believe, believe their bullshit, their own bullshit. Mm-hmm. And that's believe their grift. I think he believed his grift his whole life. I think you had a, a guy who was very smart and mm-hmm. and unfortunately things maneuvered in weird ways for him. Yeah. I think I think if the bubonic plague didn't happen, I think things would have worked out really well for him and he probably would have been a successful doctor. Maybe. I I think so. It's a bold statement, but I'm kind of throwing it just down to the but sense. he was pretty effective at treating the plague. No, but the plague was such a crazy time, and I think that's where he started 
because everything was looking great until the plague. And then that's when it just all went weird. I mean, mm-hmm. you think about it. He was 14 going into to be a licensed yeah. doctor at 14. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not like he was stupid. Right. He was a smart guy. But then the plague comes and they his whole program gets canceled. Should we do a show called Young Nostradamus? <laughs> Baby Damas. Like That's Young a... Sheldon. <laughs> but but I you know, I would imagine like being at age fourteen, like you get crushed over that. Like you'd been going this whole way to this bit and then all of a sudden all the shit happens. Yeah. And now you're fourteen going on to, you know, you got fifteen, shit sixteen. To do. And you're trying to help. You're trying to be useful. You got your own ways. And then he does something that's a little unorthodox, which was something a younger person would be capable of doing. Yeah. I mean, none of this, all this makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. You know, so then you have this rebellious stage that goes Mm -hmm. through and, and he takes that up too far. Yeah. Like rebellious is good to a certain point. And I know that speaking from experience, I had a, a crazy rebellious nature. I had a, a point where I rebelled against fucking everything. Mm-hmm. But there comes a point where you also have to dial it down. Otherwise, you separate yourself from everybody and everything. Right. And that's what happened with him. Mm-hmm. And so he just got lost in himself. I think he is, in my opinion, the 1500s um, Aleister Crowley. Okay. That's where I position him. Mm-hmm. I think he was like the Aleister Crowley of that era through there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think if Aleister Crowley was in Nostradamus's time, he would have been Nostradamus. And And I think if Nostradamus was in Aleister Crowley's time, he would have been like Aleister Crowley. Mm -hmm. I think they have those, those similar traits and the similar things that happened to him when they were young. Mm Because even Aleister Crowley, smart guy growing up Mm -hmm. and then had this, just the series of events that made him effectively a loner. Yeah. And it wasn't really people's fault. It's so easy to cast a stone and say, oh, it was everybody. It's like, nah, you know, you got to be compromising in, in some stances. I mean, like, yeah. you have your big believies and things, but if you walk, I remember being at a conference, and I won't say who told spoke this at the speech, but they said, you're as right as the room. Yes. So if you're in a, and they were talking about meetings right? and they're like, if you've got this great idea and it is great, right? you know, and all of it lines up right, Mm -hmm. but you're in a meeting with 20 people or in a group of 20 people and they all go, I don't like it. Yeah. I I, I don't like it. It doesn't sound good. It doesn't matter if it's true or factual. It doesn't matter if it cures cancer. It does whatever. You're as right as the room. Yeah. And the room's going to dictate the pace of what's right and what's considered wrong. And that just doesn't happen in meetings. That happens in uh, work teams and groups and all that stuff. And everybody will sit there and say, well, you know, I didn't have time to, you know, no one would believe me and all that. It's like, no, they just don't want to. Right. Yeah. There's, the comfort of the group is all set. Mm-hmm. It's group dynamics 101. Mm-hmm. If, if no one's ever taken group dynamics, you freaking need to because it just helps you exist in the world. But yes. But no, I see Aleister Crowley and, and Nostradamus is interchangeable. I yeah. think if you switched them in time eras, I think they would have been pretty damn close to the same person. Well, if you want to talk about uh, reincarnation being a thing, mm-hmm. it could be just oh. Alistair Crowley is a reincarnation of not. See, I just don't even look into it that way. I, this goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning. When we talk about it every episode. Nothing fucking changes. No. 
It's the same thing. Yeah. It's just a, it's a loop. Same shit, different day. Same show, <laughs> different channel. That's yeah. all it is. It really <laughs> is. And you can, you can take all the window dressing out, the technology. Yeah. All of the great advances, quote unquote, of humankind and all that. But at the end of the day, the meat suits haven't changed. Right. And you can add all this stuff and do all this stuff, but you can the meat pretty suits. Pretty it up all you want. Yeah, the meat suits are still the same. And I, I believe it so much that you could colonize Mars yeah. and get away from all this. Still going to be the just same. Just reset everything yep. and wipe the slate clean and say, we're going to start fresh. And the same shit's going to happen there. Yeah. I, I would bet everything I own on that. Same shit, different planet. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Nostradamus. Yeah. That's the Reader's Digest he's a, version. I mean, he's an interesting figure. I get the draw. I really do. And when you get the people that buy into it and sell it with pat, you know, you drive oh some God. passion behind my it. My Aunt Janet, I think it was her life's mission yeah. to scare the shit out of everyone because... <laughs> He just knew everything. Yeah. And she's throwing out all the predictions, like the Hitler, JFK. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, there was no 9-11 at the time. And I, I, we were kids. It was yeah. in the 80s. Yeah. We're, like, eight years old. And we're like, oh, my God, there's this guy that, that knew about the end of the world and the World War III is going to happen and, and it's going to be in our time? And he was around 300 years ago? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Good times. Yeah. Good times. But only certain people knew about him, you know. Yeah, exactly. He was, he was underground 300 years later. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I think that tells you enough right yeah, it there. Was, it was good. It was, so, uh, it was good. So what do we got going next week? <laughs> we got John Wayne Gacy. I know. Yeah. I, I think about it now. It's like, how haven't we gotten to him? But then also I look at what we've done, and it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah, so we're getting back into what I like to say, some old-fashioned murdering. I love me a good serial killer story, mostly yeah. because it's so fascinating. Yeah. The, and it, honestly, it hasn't really changed. The biology is interesting to me. The whole yes. act of it's terrible. Oh, what they, what they I do is And I think that's what, like, people get the wrong... Abhorrent, yes. I think people get the wrong stick of people that are into, like, reading about that stuff and watching... Mm -hmm. Because it's just, it's so different. Yes. It's it's uh, this biological anomaly mm -hmm. that occurs here and there. They're not everywhere. I know everybody likes to think they're everywhere. I know everybody wants mm -hmm. to jump into that. Yeah. But the fact is, is you could have a room full of thousand people and you'd be lucky if you found one. Yeah. I mean, it's really that rare. Because otherwise. the broad scheme of things, yeah. In the whole broad scheme of mm -hmm. it, yeah. I mean, it's it's really rare. But when it happens... Holy yeah. fuck. Yeah. You know, so you could have a million people mm -hmm. and you could have one person that's a legitimate serial killer. Yep. The biology, yep. all of it. Yep. Not just the tendencies and, no, oh, we'll no, lump them no. in there. Yeah, no. Total, total, total mm -hmm. biology match for it. And it's just, holy shit. And it just, it cocks everybody back. Yeah. And the horror takes place in it. And the scariest part of it is, is, after you find out who they are, you know, because this is the where the news becomes like this uh this masterpiece of showmanship. And they'll they'll create this embodiment of, oh my God, it's the slayer or 
the uh, the Night Stalker, the killer, you know. And, like, the Night Stalker was one where, like, it actually was what the news built. Yes. You know, I mean, the dude was just fucking yes. shithouse rat crazy. But what, like, uh, Son of Sam was a great example where that story was going around and everybody was expecting this deranged lunatic killer. And this guy comes out that would, he, he looks like he would do your taxes. What gets me is more often than not, it's that unassuming yeah, average, the guy who does your taxes, the guy next the, door. And the, you know, they ask the friends, the family, the neighbors, and, and even like, them are no, like, no idea. Never would have guessed this in a million years. And that's, what's amazing. That's why I'm glad we're doing the Gacy story. Cause like, yes. Gacy was that model. Yes. Where even just the closest people are like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Yes. And, and that's where I mean by like, if you had a million, a thousand people in the yeah. room, you'd be lucky if you found one. Mm -hmm. Cause it just, they don't exist. Like people think I No. there's more pedophiles than there are serial killers. Yeah. Just oh my to, gosh. I was and, listening. And, and by massive amounts, there's more. I was listening to a podcast today about uh, a pedophile and he was the one it was the one time where the detective was saying he didn't have a type mm -hmm. he didn't care mm -hmm. he just had this fix yeah and he didn't care what cured the fix yeah no there's there's broken people out there oh yeah and, and yeah. that's where, you know, in light of recent events, I, I don't want to dip into the pot too hard with it. But but the fact is, is I I just I wished people would understand that more, that there's just broken people. Yes. And there's nothing you can probably do about it. At the end, they're just still going to be there. Right. And you just got to just say to yourself at times, you know. Yeah, there's broken people and weird shit's going to happen. Yeah. Because of broken people. Mm -hmm. And you can sit and dwell on it and try to fix it. I think there's people, to some degree, I think they're just unfixable. Yes. Uh, yeah. Largely because they don't want to be fixed or just the amount of effort that it would take to even try to fix them and still fail. You're talking about someone's biology. Yeah. You can't easily change that. And then what like happens they're is they're not schizophrenic. It's not like there's a there's an anti yeah, serial killer pill you can take. Yeah. Like that's that's your DNA. That's your chemical makeup. That's your genetics. And then you smash a weird environment growing up on yeah. that and you are creating literally a monster. And sometimes it's, the the environment growing up is perfect. Like, they, they had a fine childhood. There yeah. was nothing anomalous. I always like to say that about the Menendez brothers. Yeah. Like that's a family who had everything. They had everything. They had everything they could ever want. Yeah. And you crank these two fucking lunatics out. Mm -hmm. And again, that's where I also look from a biological standpoint because they were siblings. Yep. I don't think they were twins, but they were... No, no. There was one a couple, was definitely older yeah, than the other. Yeah, there was one or two years apart, mm -hmm. but... Like I said, you mix. We should do an episode on them. Yeah, we, we will. Yeah. Because uh, a lot of that I'd like to hop into, like, just that biology, but also what you have is the impressionism of a sibling. Right, yes. And, and that, that, again, you have these just these little circumstances. Mm -hmm. And 
it doesn't matter what you do. Shit's going to go down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all there is to it. And, and I hate to say it, just bad things happen in the world. All the time. They do, yeah. And here's the and thing. sometimes there will be no explanation for Well, no, it. and here's the thing, too, which drives me nuts, is bad things will happen, and you'll never know about it. Yes. You'll mm-hmm. never know about it. It'll never make the news. Right. It'll never make any kind of story. Mm-hmm. It'll never, and it's happening all over the fucking place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just, uh, but some things make light, and people do what they got to do to feel safe. Yeah. People do what they got to do to just grasp onto it and try to understand it or just mm-hmm. deal. Yeah. Uh, and, and people, as we've seen on this podcast, do some fucking crazy things yeah. to deal and feel safe. Yeah, they do. Uh, but with that being said, we're very, very excited to uh, get, tackle uh, tackle that on mm-hmm. next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hope uh, everything's going well. We hope uh, you're Happy and okay. If, hope you made good choices over Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, we hope you had a good long weekend if you were here in the States. Mm-hmm. I know the weather was nice here. It was. Yeah. But with that being said, do we have any uh, extra things? or? No, we've got our, our usual things Get into on the, the, the rules. On the site. Yep. Let's head right into the rules. Rule number one. No VG boards. Number two. No dolls. Three. No capes. Four. No blood rituals. Five. No cults, satanic or otherwise. No. Six. Just stop already. No apathy. You need to act to help enact a positive change in the world. It is possible. You can do it. Baby steps. Like Rome wasn't built in a day. So. No. no. A little bit. Was, Every little bit helps. It was three days. Rule seven. Don't let the black-eyed children in. Don't do it. Just don't give in to them. Don't give them what they want. No. Which, I mean, I, that's kind of with a lot of things in yeah. life. Just don't give them what they want. Yeah. Because you can't always I like get how, what you want. I like how apathy's followed by the black-eyed children where we say, don't do, don't help, don't. You got to help. You got to do everything. Except here. Except if they have black eyes. Yeah. If they have black eyes, fuck that shit o'clock. And want ketchup for their apple. If you've got black eyes, I'm going to say, you stay there, and I'm going to call 911. You can't even look at them, though. See, you looked at them. You're done. It's that easy. Just eye contact. Let them in. No, because there were people that looked at them, and they didn't didn't let them in. It's a dangerous affair. That's how it starts, and then they pull you in. I listen to all the horror. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Next rule. Just listen. Just listen, folks. And with that being said, thanks for listening. We love you. We do. We appreciate you. And uh, rate and review, please. It just takes a few seconds. It's nothing for you, and it means everything to us. It would really, uh, yeah, it would really be great. We'd appreciate it. <laughs> Have a great day. A lovely week. And make good choices. Take care.